0: this week on breaking badness today we discuss a malware ridden mail attachment from a super mario image dns manipulation in venezuela and malware that bypasses mac os gatekeeper breaking badness is next Welcome to Breaking Badness, episode number two, recorded on February 15th, 2019, aka the day after Valentine's Day.
1: Very that sounds day. very sad. day of mourning sounds so I just said that.
0: My fingers <laughs> are cut up from flower stems. A dozen black roses. A dozen black roses. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I'm your uh, very sad, apparently, co host, Kelsey LaBelle, self proclaimed word pundit with me co-host Emily Hacker who has a different points been called advanced persistent and a threat and last but not least Tim Helming whose pithy self-description buffer is currently in
1: you're going to have to fix that. eventually
0: you have to be funny Tim <sighs> don't put yeah, that much my pressure mom on says Emily. the same thing <laughs> so we've a lot going on this week we saw this article come to fruition and this is this is something scary that's happening in the world but it's also just ripe for the picking when it comes to different puns that exist out there, so we had to go for it. Um, And the name of this topic is, hey, it's a me, a malware, um, or also known as Super Malware Bros. Um, And this is referring to a mail attachment that actually builds a malware downloader from a Super Mario image.
2: Yes, it doesn't get much better than this, honestly. Um, If you're going to do steganography, it might as well be Super Mario, in my opinion.
0: So, um, What is steganography?
1: It's an obfuscation method. It's a way of hiding something sort of in plain sight. So, Mm. like, one really simple example that you could do is... Uh, in a document, if you make the font white on a white page, mm. you can't see it, but it's there. And so it's information that's encoded, and it's not encrypted or anything like that, but it is not uh, obvious to the casual look.
0: I see. Steganography.
2: Yes. In this case, um, there was a, you know, a malicious email sent out, and it had an Excel uh, spreadsheet attachment <clears throat> that contained macros, so... Um, I found that interesting. I've seen a lot of Word macros in phishing emails, and I know I have uh, seen various companies actually block Word macros entirely in their business, but Excel mm-hmm. macros you can't block. I mean, finance people use Because then it use, won't
1: um, really be Excel. It, <laughs>
0: more <laughs> yes. like fairly successful, but then it's not just Excel.
1: Gra- it's graphic <laughs> at that point, basically. Basically, yeah. That
0: would just be cell fish. <laughs> I'm impressed. But, Thank you.
2: Um, <laughs> anyway, so it was an Excel macro, and when you enabled the macros, it downloaded the image of, obviously, the, the Mario image. He's wearing a, a nice Hawaiian shirt, and it's, it's pretty interesting. So this was specifically targeting people within Italy. If the machine was not located in Italy, um, the, the Excel would actually shut down. It would check first to make sure the machine was located in Italy, and if it wasn't, then Excel shut down before you had to enable macros or anything. Once you, you know, were in Italy and you did enable macros and you downloaded this uh, image, and it would download the malware, I guess. It's just easy way of saying that. It would download the malware, which was Ursniff. This was, um, it's just an info stealer, so it can do a lot of things. It can capture screenshots, it can, uh, you know... Keylog. Keylog and all that kind of stuff. So it's just, you know, run-of-the-mill malware. But it was pretty interesting, I guess, that it was being delivered via this interesting steganography. And... um, Excel macros, Hmm.
1: and this is one of these things where the staging of this um, involved PowerShell, and we just see that over and over again. Mm -hmm. Uh, PowerShell is um, is an awesome utility, but man, it has so much. It is so uh, um, to use your term from before, Kelsey, so ripe for abuse um, because the power that it has (laughs) can be used for good or evil. (laughs) And so, uh, any conference you go to, you will see you know guaranteed at least one or two. Um, presentations where they will talk about evil uses of PowerShell and probably one or two where they'll talk about good uses of it as well.
0: so yes, I wonder if that's what inspired the use of the Super Mario image from the blue shell from oh, Super Mario Kart.
1: Well, Those she shells also... are
0: never good in that game. <laughs> they don't, they don't like, bring you prizes. They're not like the pearls of the Mario Kart kingdom. Geez,
1: shells and pearls. We're going to talk about Bash next. It's, it <laughs> sounds like we're, we're about to do some programming here. <laughs> <laughs> This one brings together a bunch of really classic elements where it starts with a phishing email, it's using a Microsoft document type, Um, It's using PowerShell and a little steganography in there, which I think part of that has got to be, at least I'm assuming part of the reason they're doing that is a lot of smart packet inspection firewalls and whatnot will detect different things that you're downloading, and a .png looks innocuous to it. Mm -hmm. So it's going to allow that download to go right by. Most firewalls aren't going to block that, so that helps the malware pull down um, the the next stage.
0: What can you do then as a user um, should you be scanning that particular image? Or how do you, like you said, you can't disable macros on Excel. So what's like the realistic or practical approach that you can use as either a network defender or someone that's just not trying to be that person that has to do the walk of shame over to your security team?
1: I think part of it depends on, you know, the fisher probably, unless they're a really sophisticated spearfisher, they're probably not going to have craft an email where it's a plausible Excel doc that came from you know that you're expecting. So you receive some of it is just good old phishing hygiene 101. Somebody sent me an Excel doc, hmm, I'm not sure if they should have been doing that, and now it's telling me to enable macros. Okay, second red flag, mm-hmm. like forget about it, let's bail out of here. So um,
2: user awareness is key in yeah. a lot of these kind of phishing attacks.
1: Yeah, the interesting thing about the steganography aspect is that the Mario image will still work as a Mario image. It's, it's a little bit different from other kinds of obfuscated files where it will look like it's a certain file type just so that it can get past firewalls and stuff right. like that, but it actually isn't that file type at all. In this case, it still is a PNG. Mm-hmm. It's just that it's been manipulated to contain this other data.
0: Interesting. Interesting. What so you mentioned, Emily? That this was targeting people that live, or that the machines were in Italy. So, what do you think that says about the particular threat actor or group, and what their the purpose was? Why was it so targeted?
2: Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I mean, there can be a lot of things at play there, depending on what kind of organizations. If this was targeting um, individuals or organizations, it could it could mean that there is some kind of espionage, perhaps that. <laughs> someone who is is not a fan of Italy <laughs> might be trying to obtain information that could be valuable maybe from, like I said, an espionage perspective. Or it could be um, if it was certain organizations like there are, like perhaps if this was only going to like oil and gas earlier in the year, there was an Italian like oil and gas company that was targeted with malware. And so it's it could be something like even that specific. But in this case, I, I haven't seen enough information yet about who was specifically targeted other than Italy, which <laughs> is kind of broad. So it's, it's right. hard to draw a, a concrete conclusion um, just from that amount of information, but it definitely is one piece in what will most likely be a larger puzzle to determining why uh, this actor was so specific in their targeting.
0: Interesting. So, considering that somebody was using an image of Mario for nefarious purposes. blasphemy blasphemy. How does this, I mean, is this going to play a part in your hoodie rating? What are your hoodie ratings? Um, To give everybody a quick summary, if you missed last episode, basically we created this hoodie rating system. So out of 10 hoodies um, as our InfoSec
1: severity, severity,
0: if you will, um, 10 being Just the world's on fire. It's all over. Somebody has used Mario Kart inferously. That's a ten. Yeah, I think the world
1: is on fire. But anyway, we can talk about this particular piece of malware.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So, what are your ratings for this particular article about the Mario malware? Basically, so for me, it's the the steganography aspect is
2: cool, and the fact that it's Mario is cool. Um, But the Excel macro piece is what stood out to me. Just having done like corporate security in the past, I think that bumps it up a little bit from just being um, a lower, like, generic phishing email level of uh, hoodie (laughs) rating. So I'm going to give this, like, a five, maybe? I think we gave the regular phishing a four last week. This is the highest hoodie rating all time. It's just that Excel, those Excel macros, like, they they people will enable them and it's really imperative to train your users, but you just it's hard for organizations to to have them, you know, blocked. So it makes it a little more tricky.
1: Absolutely. How about you, Tim? I'm probably in the same neighborhood. I, I might be more of a four only in the sense of thinking about both the severity of it and the widespreadness mm-hmm. of it. That's it's, a good point. it's targeting a specific country right now. And I think to some extent if you're savvy, this is you know, you should be able to catch on to this phishing attack. I'm going to go four hoodies on this one, but I, I your rationale for five was also totally defensible. Like so the, we're in that in the what could, you said
2: about the localization of it, though, that's a very good point to right. uh, bring into
0: this hoodie the scope. Hoodie, rating. hoodie scope. Yeah, hoodie scope. <laughs> <laughs> All right, moving on to the next article we have here, which is um, of a, a concerning nature, which is the DNS manipulation in Venezuela in regards to the humanitarian aid campaign. Um, and this was particularly interesting as a we have quite a bit of focus here, obviously, on DNS. So I'm curious to hear both of your outlooks on this particular attack, and maybe we can unravel what this looked like, uh, how this DNS was manipulated, basically. So, Tim, would you mind starting us off and giving a, a quick summary, perhaps, of this DNS manipulation?
1: Sure, yeah, let me set the stage here. So what happened was that there was a legitimate humanitarian aid site in Venezuela, um, which uh, was, you know, trying to do uh, good work. And somebody nefarious put up a lookalike alike domain uh, whose domain name was very similar to the legitimate one. But in this case, um, what's interesting is that instead of just hoping to draw traffic to their own isolated uh, domain, what actually happened was that DNS within Venezuela was manipulated so that people who had the correct domain name were actually being uh, diverted to the malicious one. And so that means that that something was being manipulated inside DNS within the country of Venezuela. So it's uh, it's important to note that if you were outside of Venezuela, you would get the proper DNS record for the, the real humanitarian site, and you would go to the legit site. So once again, this was something where the effect was just within the country. But Emily probably has a lot more detail on how it worked.
2: Yeah, so um, technically there's uh, a couple of ways this might work. Um, If you had access to the DNS servers within Venezuela, um, either, you know, if you are a hacker, if you will, someone who has hacked into these servers who does not have legitimate access, or if you do have legitimate access to these servers, um, you can manipulate the DNS records for that site to um, redirect it. Uh, I guess, and the reason I say that... um, if you had legitimate access, is because there has been... This is not the first time DNS tampering has actually occurred within Venezuela. So um, as far back as 2014 and still ongoing, multiple sites have been blocked or... um, otherwise manipulated via dns tampering such as mostly a lot of independent media sites um, some communication or or chat sites a lot of those are still uh, inaccessible within venezuela as the government um, tries to hinder uh, its uh, citizens from from communicating to each other but also to the outside world about uh, the events occurring within the country so um, it's in my opinion, possible that uh, somebody with legitimate access to the to a um, potentially state-owned DNS server would have been able to change this, um, and would not have required any like hacking in the traditional sense mm. to get into that at all. Interesting.
0: I did think it was curious, similar to the conversation we just had around Italy. The intent behind um, still having the domain resolve properly if you're outside of Venezuela. And in my mind, the intent behind that is so that researchers basically wouldn't see sort of that meme, right, where the, the animal's sitting in the room and everything's on fighter. It's like, it's fine. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> but I'm curious if you two had any ideas um, as to why s- they basically would still point people to the correct domain if they're outside of Venezuela.
1: I think it probably, my guess is that it, first of all, the, the people they're targeting are within Venezuela, and it just makes it less obvious to the outside world that something funny is going on. So um, that would be my guess.
2: Yeah, and maybe this is a little bit of like a paranoia factor here, but to me, one of the reasons I could see is um, the, the purpose of this site, the legitimate one, and therefore also the mirrored uh, malicious one, was for people to sign up to give. Aid for the humanitarian crisis, so that included like name, uh, phone number, what kind of m- maybe uh, specialized aid they were they would be able to give. I can't recall off the top of my head, but I think like if you had a car or whatever uh, stuff like that. So um, the government might be trying to find out who within the country wants to help in the humanitarian crisis that the government denies. That's a very Again, terrifying prospect. That would that would be under the assumption that the government right. has done this, which is not. Um, proven at this point as far right. as I know Perhaps a suspicion
1: But it's true that if you're looking at resolver logs You can see you know, What IP addresses we're trying to get To resolve what domain So it would be if you were um, If you had ill intent And you had access to those resolver logs You could very easily figure out Who it is within Venezuela That's trying to hit this site That you might not want them to be trying to hit
0: Interesting All right, with that in mind, I think it's time to do our hoodie ratings. Tim, I'll start with you this time. What do you think for this one?
1: I think this one, if you are within Venezuela especially, this has a little bit higher rating. And to me, it's not just because of this one domain. It's because if DNS is being manipulated more broadly within your country, it means your ability to trust where you're going on the Internet degrades. And... Um, if you are not either savvy enough to you know, put in your own DNS resolvers that are maybe safe ones that you, you know about, and for all I know, it, there may be you know, it may be hard to do that. Those may be blocked at the ISP level. Um, then it means that control of information is becoming um, a little bit stronger. And so pe- it requires a greater level of savvy on the part of um, internet users to be able to get to, uh, the truth, and so I would say, kind of, kind of, from a geopolitical hoodie rating, especially for people within Venezuela. I think this is a six or a seven, and that's that's partly because I think it may be a leading indicator of more manipulation that we'll see down the road.
2: What about you, Emily? I concur. Um, again, from a geopolitical standpoint, I think that this could have uh, more severe implications than just the the, the surface layer of the. Attack itself. Um, with that in mind, I agree that it's higher uh, at around a six, probably, or I could I could see it being a seven, especially if it did turn out to be you know government manipulation and not outside force of ill intent.
0: Okay, perfect. Um, and our final article today—it's actually a set of two articles that both cover malware that bypasses macOS gatekeeper. Um, so the category we have here is "Thou shall Pass." Um, and there are two malwares. There's uh, the Schlayer malware, and then there's another malware that's specifically um, targeting Mac. That's a Windows EXE file that's executing on there. By so, the way,
1: Schleyer, I I just can't help but think of a Yiddish metal band. I, mean, I don't know if that's actually <laughs> oh my God, you know, that's what amazing. their name is. That pretty much sounds like what what Schleyer. they must be talking about here.
0: <laughs> that's fantastic, Emily. Will you walk us through this uh, Schlayer malware?
2: Sure. So Schleyer, um was first seen in the wild in February 2018, so one year ago, and more recently, within the last couple of weeks, I guess, it has resurfaced um, and has been improved, I guess. It has made... Some improvements. The new and improved Slayer. Yeah, new and improved Slayer. Um, it can escalate privileges now, and it is able to disable the gatekeeper function that prevents unsigned code from being run on your machine. Both times, the 2018 and the more recent um, sighting of this malware, it was disguised as a Adobe Flash software update.
0: Shouldn't you usually trust those?
2: <laughs> Always, especially <laughs> the ones that just randomly pop up when you visit a random site that looks. Very suspicious, Um, and that's what this was doing. It was like fake pop-ups on hijacked domains, um, or legit site clones, which makes it a little maybe more difficult um, to pin down as malicious. Um, But still, with these kind of things, I don't. I I think that's very like kind of old school. Like I'm thinking of like my college days when you like would have these like pop-ups like update, update. Like no one falls for that anymore. But I guess some people do.
0: What does this malware? What does this malware do?
2: Yeah. So once it's on the machine. Um, Schlayer will collect system information, such as the OS version, um, and it will download a second stage payload. Um, I-, I think there are multiple different second stages at this point that it might be downloading, but it basically is just um, opening the door, if you will, for additional malware to be uh,
0: downloaded onto your machine. That's a little terrifying. <laughs> I feel like I'm going to say that word a lot on this podcast. Just becoming more and more paranoid every day. <laughs> yeah, um, welcome to my life. <laughs> just means we're learning. <laughs> so there was, I mentioned there were two articles. There was a second article that talked about um, a Windows EXE malware. And so I'm curious um, if, Emily, if you could walk us through this malware and maybe also compare and contrast it a bit with the other malware that we just talked about there, Schlayer. Sure. So um, this,
2: as you mentioned, it was a malicious Windows EXE, and why that is noteworthy is that um, EXE is normally a Windows-only file type and will return an error if you try to run EXE on a Mac. Um, this particular one bypasses the, the gatekeeper, which prevents them from running, which is how it's able to run. Um, it, it, it bypasses the gatekeeper because the EXE is actually kind of buried within Um, the installer, and once it's executed, it will also launch the executable, and at the end of the day, you know, it'll download the malware. So this one is also collecting system information, um, such as model name, uh, number of cores, memory, that kind of stuff, and also checking for um, a predetermined list of apps, such as QuickTime, iTunes, um, and others, and then sends all that information back to the C2. Um, Mm -hmm. Another interesting thing to note is that if you run this malware on a Windows machine, it errors out. It doesn't work. So it's specifically targeting Macs. It's not just a malware that also runs on Mac.
0: Interesting. Tim, do you have any thoughts on these uh, two sets of malware here we're discussing?
1: I love the irony of the EXE that fails on Windows machines (laughs) and runs on on Macs. Yeah, that's
2: pretty great.
1: Uh, Yeah, that's kind of funny. I think um, in this case... you know, this also looks like, in a certain sense, it's a it's a staging. This second one, the exe one, is a staging for later uh, things that an attacker may have in mind. Because you don't want things like your system information to be leaked out to some nefarious person. But that by itself is not something that's going to do you harm. It's more like a stage in a chain of using that information later to um, bring on some larger kind of compromise. Um, My assumption about this one is also just like um, the earlier one that we talked about, using a file type like EXE, a really common file type is probably partly in order to evade um, the proxy detection and stuff of of Mm -hmm. illegal file types. So um, uh, I think this one will be... I think the bigger bigger picture here is now the um, Mac gatekeeper has been kind of, there there are twice that it's been defeated in a short time here, and that obviously won't have escaped Apple's notice. So are they going to be able to beef it up and uh, reduce the number of these kinds of things that can get by? Presumably, yes, uh, down the road. Um, Meantime, you know, be careful where you get your apps. I mean, just just always be really, really careful about getting apps from places that aren't, uh, that you don't know to be very trustworthy.
0: I couldn't help but laugh that the fake installer um, promised to install the "quote unquote" Little Snitch firewall application.
2: Yeah, I <laughs> I specifically put that in the notes, even though I didn't say it out loud. Just because I was so happy that that was the <laughs> <laughs> I'm so tickled by that <laughs> Little Snitch. Little Snitch, and that's just what it does. It snitches back to the C two about all
0: your system information. So can't say they weren't honest about it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's go through the hoodie rating then. Emily, do you have any final comments before I move on? Tim, I think you wrap that up beautifully. Um, and so I'm curious. Um, let's just throw both of these articles. Basically, the um, malware that's getting past the macOS gatekeeper um, we will put that in its own little category for a hoodie rating system because, like you said, it certainly hasn't evaded Apple's notice. Um, so with that in mind, Emily, how many hoodies for thou Shall pass? Um,
2: I, my initial gut reaction was to go pretty low just because neither of these uh, two malware types are groundbreaking or noteworthy, but I do think the fact that, you know, they're on a Mac and that's a little more um, rare, I guess, to see and they're bypassing the gatekeeper and all that maybe bumps them up a little bit, but not too much. I'm still going to, in my opinion, hang this around a four.
1: That was my number as well. I think... Um, Partly because um, good user hygiene uh, once again, is going to be pretty helpful in avoiding these kinds of things. Now, obviously, there are a lot of users who don't um, who aren't very safe about how they use their machines. So I think um, this is probably kind of an evolving story, and it'll be worth looking over the next few weeks at whether, we start to see more of a pattern of these kinds of uh, malwares that are able to get their way past that uh, gatekeeper process.
0: Do either of you have any final thoughts to leave our audience with for the second episode of Breaking Badness? Avoid Italy and Venezuela.
1: And get your tickets for Schleyer.
0: Yeah, (laughs) Schleyer. Coming to you in uh, May of 2019, Schleyer. At the key arena. <laughs> That's about all we have for this week. You can find us on Twitter at Domain Tools. All of the articles mentioned today will be included in our blog post, which can be found at blog.domaintools.com. Catch us every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific time when we publish our podcast and blog. That's it for this week. We'll see you again next week on another episode of Breaking Badness. Until then, remember, don't drink and click.